the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. There's newfound energy in the crypto market, with Bitcoin trading above 700,000 rand over the last few days. Bitcoin led the way, but altcoins like Ether and Solana are also on a tear. Solana has more than doubled over the last month. Ether is up 30% over the same time. Crypto traders will be tempted to take profits at these levels, and that, of course, has tax implications. The amount of tax you'll pay depends on the transaction and your intentions. That can be a bit fuzzy, but you can be sure that SA Revenue Services is paying close attention to the crypto market. Another recent development is the publication of a new crypto asset reporting framework, or CARF, by the OECD, which is the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development. SARS is one of 50 jurisdictions signaling its intention to adopt this new reporting framework, which aims to improve tax transparency around the world. This means tax authorities worldwide will be exchanging information when it comes to crypto transactions, no matter where these take place. There's a lot happening in the world of crypto and taxes. To help us understand this, we're joined by Thomas Loban, Head of Crypto and Immigration Services at Tax Consulting SA. Hi, Thomas. No stranger to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. Thanks for coming back and uh, good to see you again. Likewise, Kieran. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. We spoke a little over a year ago and a lot has happened in the crypto space as far as tax is concerned. Can you give us a brief update on what has happened in the way that SARS is treating crypto transactions since we last spoke? Kieran, legally speaking, not much has changed with SARS. But what we have seen is an evolution from a policy perspective. And maybe it hasn't caught the news so much, but it can be seen as pretty big. One thing in tax returns is disclosure of assets and liabilities, especially if you have assets, not net assets, but assets worth more than 50 million. You absolutely have to give SARS your your assets and liabilities in that return. We'll circle back to that in a moment. Another thing that you've seen is the approval international transfer tax compliance pin that taxpayers need to approve funds to be transferred abroad. Now, if you're a tax resident, million rand you can send abroad without needing a SARS approval. But anything more than that, you absolutely need to get clearance from SARS. It involves a bit of a self-audit to get it. And misdisclosure or incorrect disclosure, whether by you or your tax practitioner, can have pretty serious consequences. Uh, It's something that SARS will correlate against your other tax returns. And again, if you're somebody who is a higher net worth individual, that same disclosure you have to make if your assets are above 50 million. So that's kind of the direction that we've moved in. It's more broadening that tax net to capture that information. Right. I think they used to call that the foreign investment allowance. I know they've got a new name for it. And you have to apply for a PIN every time that you want to send money abroad. And of course, this is important to people who do crypto arbitrage. Absolutely. That's where they're buying crypto overseas, selling it in South Africa, hoping to make a, a profit. They're traditionally, you know, Bitcoin and other cryptos would trade at a premium in South Africa. So that's becoming quite sticky as far as SARS is concerned. You bet it has. The level of detail that you need to give to SARS is much more involved. If you're somebody who's tax resident or tax domiciled, if, you, if it makes go down easier in South Africa, you not only have to tell SARS what the sources of the amount you're transferring are, you also have to provide evidence of that. You give them, again, your assets and liabilities in South Africa and abroad at cost, which often means a means analysis is or a reasonability or affordability analysis comes in. And 
you also have to tell SARS the purpose for that investment. Where are those funds going? Why? So that's absolutely something that's become a little bit more difficult in that regard for, for taxpayers to obtain. For those unfamiliar with the tax treatment of crypto transactions, can you explain when crypto transactions are taxed as income and when they attract capital gains tax? And what are the applicable rates, uh, depending on whether it's income and capital gains? Uh, I'll keep it high level and simple just for the sake of the listeners, because this can get quite in depth. I mean, broadly, you've got income or you've got capital. If you're taxed on an income basis, it means essentially you're taxed as a trader in crypto. And that depends on your normal income tax rate. What are your profits? What are you bringing in in, in terms of in crypto interest or uh, other rewards? Uh, that can go up to 45%. If you're taxed on a capital gains tax basis, that's at a maximum of 18% effective. Right. I think the first 40,000 rand profit is free. If it's capital gains if tax. If it's capital gains, right. And that relates to both capital gain or capital loss for the year. Right. So if you're a big player, that 40,000 won't be that attractive. But if you're a medium or a small-sized player, that could be quite substantial. So it'll bring down that 18% uh, a fair bit. Insignificant or life, or life and death, depending on who you are, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the OECD's crypto asset reporting framework, which I mentioned in the intro. South Africa is one of 50 jurisdictions intending to sign on to this. It looks like the tax authorities worldwide are collaborating quite closely. They're going to start sharing information on crypto transactions no matter where you are. What does this mean for South Africans from a practical point of view? Well, firstly, it's, it's not surprising. South Africa has always been eager to join on with these international projects. Uh, we've Most of our double tax treaties follow the OECD framework, for example. Uh, the world's moving more and more towards transparency, especially from a tax perspective. So practically, it means that if you're somebody who hasn't been compliant with your, with your tax obligations, especially with something like crypto, it's no longer enough for you to simply hold it offshore, hoping that it won't be found. That information will be shared soon, which means that if you're reporting it to the US, for example, because you keep your holdings there, you have an account there or whatever it is, uh, that ultimately will be something that comes back to SARS and vice versa. So you have to make sure that your compliance on both sides uh, nowadays it means looking twice or measuring twice before you cut. I mean, in the early days of crypto, there was this belief, probably a little bit naive amongst the early adopters, that tax authorities would find it difficult to track crypto transactions. Uh, I mean, that might have been true a few years ago, but it's certainly not the case today. How does SARS get information about crypto transactions? Bearing in mind, many South Africans might be trading or trans transacting on overseas crypto exchanges. Look, my perspective on this has evolved, I'd say matured over time. You know, and I think that asking the question in that way might be putting the cart before the horse. It's no longer a sense of, how will SARS track it? I mean, SARS has in the past reached out to exchanges and asked them for information from their customers. And the exchanges have actually handed on that information and informed their customers that they're doing it because they're obligated to. Absolutely, in terms of the Tax Administration Act. But uh, I think a more productive way to look at it now is to understand that at some point, that gain that you make, you make a profit, it needs to become productive at some point. It's either it sits there idle for the rest of your days and after your time. Even then, your heirs and legatees would have to deal with something like that. You buy a house, 
that'll be something that can be tracked, converted to cash, knowing soon, no matter where in the world, ostensibly, that is something that will be tracked. So practically, it's no longer worth hiding it. It's no longer wondering whether SARS will track it. It's more a case of when will SARS catch you out? And SARS is patient. Uh, the wheel turns slowly, especially when it comes to tax compliance enforcement. SARS might not be too concerned about collecting its tax now. Perhaps three, four, five years from now after a 200% penalty and interest that's been accruing over time. And there's an interesting case in the U.S. of a, a hack that happened on, on an exchange where these two individuals made off with hundreds of millions of dollars worth of crypto and they went into hiding basically for, for years and didn't move the crypto. Where they got caught was they used that crypto. Of course, at some point you've got to interact with the traditional financial system and they bought a gift card from a Walmart in the United States. And to do that, they had to disclose an email address. That's all it took. And eventually the FBI closed in on them. I'm sure it's the same with the tax authorities. That, as you say, they'll wait patiently. But like Al Capone, he was brought down by the tax authorities. They'll just sit there until you move and they'll find you at some way, whether it's a peer-to-peer -peer exchange or they'll find you at a, at a normal centralized exchange. If nothing else, the world, the world evolves over time. You know, and I suppose the theme of this chat is, is evolution. Uh, especially in the crypto space, things move very quickly. Technology progresses. And ultimately, if not now, in future, all that's needed is one breadcrumb for that trail to be followed. It's pretty much the same that is happening in all tax jurisdictions around the world. They're becoming more and more aligned in the way that they treat the reporting of assets and liabilities and transactions, right? It's long been known that one of the concerns with crypto, if not tax compliance, is at least... Uh, the black market. You know, there are multiple uh, areas that authorities around the world or governments need to look at this from, uh, perspectives that they need to take on it. It's very important that this is something that's aligned between jurisdictions to avoid hiding in one spot, to avoid enforcement in another. All right. Now, are there any crypto transactions that do not attract any tax? For example, if you transfer crypto from one wallet to another, would that attract, is that a tax event? Or let's say you're earning yield on Bitcoin or your altcoins, does that attract tax? It's a very difficult answer to give because it's not always black and white. Yeah. Most of the time, transferring your holdings from one place to another wouldn't be taxable, absolutely. But uh, the moment you're making something that you would call an earning or a profit or a gain on it, uh, you should expect a tax event to occur. If you're holding Bitcoin, for example, and it just appreciates in value and you've done nothing with it other than hold it, that's fine. If you move it from one place to another, that's not going to result in tax. But uh, again, the moment you swap between tokens, the moment you earn interest or a yield, as you say, uh, you should be making a tax disclosure, even if it doesn't result in a liability. There are some cases that might be more arguable than others. Uh, if you're engaged in crypto gambling, for example, that's something that the jury might be out on. That's something that might be need to be looked at deeper. But generally, you should not be uh, actively working with crypto in any way without expecting to at least deal with the tax question. Right. And of course, there are software programs now which allows you to 
to track your crypto, you know, the price at which you bought, the, all the holdings that you got in different exchanges, you can put it all on a central kind of database or spreadsheet. It'll certainly help you and it'll certainly help the tax firm because that's what they're looking for. And they're going to demand that of you, that you pro provide an accounting of all your crypto and the prices at which you pay and what they're worth today. Yeah, it's anything that's helpful to a taxpayer, I can't really take too much issue with. Just one slight concern, for example, is that the rules around tax are very complex. You know, sometimes they are, sometimes they're simple. But a platform like that that helps you calculate, again, very helpful, could only be a good thing generally. And I'm sure Saz would agree with me if, if they heard this. But um, very particular issues like uh, foreign currency conversion to the RAND. You, you need to either go at, a, at an authorized dealer rate in South Africa, a spot rate, or an average rate as given by Saz. Little rules like that, these programs don't always uh, follow. Other things like uh, cost allocation, they may allow you to allocate costs to your crypto trades. You buy and then you sell, and the way you determine your overall costing, that might not be in line with South African law. Um, so absolutely, it's very useful, but I suppose I'm biased, but I'd always recommend that somebody at least have a tax expert check. What if you convert from a from RAND to a US dollar-backed stable coin and then you let's say you want to then switch to a euro-backed stable coin and back to a RAND? Are each of those tax events? Yes. And I know that many people might be outraged to hear this, but uh, uh, when, you're, when you're talking about a stable coin, even if it's backed by a currency, uh, you're still talking about an asset. It's not actually a currency. So you're not dealing in Forex. You're trading one asset for another. You know, it's, it's like saying that I'm a car dealer and I'm just swapping a Ferrari for a Lamborghini for a Maserati. I'm still swapping assets out. Each of them I've obtained for some kind of money value and I've exchanged it for something else with money value and that you'll need an accounting on. So it seems that your intention when buying and selling crypto plays a large part in what kind of tax you're going to pay. How does SARS determine your intention? I mean, that's a bit of an intangible, isn't it? Uh, and can your intention change somewhere along the way? In other words, you know, I bought, uh, I bought Bitcoin because I thought it was going to be great. And I changed my mind a year later and I switched to Ethereum. What's the intention? How does SARS determine that? Again, uh, I think this is something that uh, we may have covered a year ago. But again, my, my views matured. Um, I'd say we should look at it the other way around. Yeah, intention is highly subjective, but it's still crucial. So for that reason, it falls to the taxpayer. The burden of proof is on the taxpayer. So it's an evidence question. In that way, it depends on what you can prove. An intention to hold crypto as a capital asset, which typically means a longer term holding for an indefinite period, that's very difficult to prove if along the way, You've had hundreds of transactions that have led to that point. Overall, circumstantially, what can you show? What can you demonstrate? Have you placed those holdings into a cold or hardware wallet uh, to make sure that they're idle and preserved? Uh, I'd say that that's far more critical than how would SARS uh, determine what your intention is. Would they really look at something like that? Is where did you store your crypto as a demonstration of intent? SARS should look at what you put in front of them from an evidence perspective. So one would hope, absolutely. Let's say I bought Bitcoin five years ago at 100,000 Rand. Whoopee. <laughs> Great day. The price this week is about 700,000. 
Uh, let's say I sell at 700000 That means I made a profit of 600000 on my purchase price. What tax would I pay? And would that be – remember, I bought this back in 2017. Would that be capital gains? I know you're going to say it's probably uh, – you know, there's no short answer, right? <laughs> the perfect legal answer is always it depends. But uh, – and of course, that question does cause me pain. I wish I jumped onto that boat at the same time. Assuming you, you bought that – Bitcoin, you just kept it there. It's appreciated in value. Wonderful. Uh, I'd say it's much easier to prove that you had a capital intention. Capital is taxed at an effective 18%. But I think for my benefit, because I'm no accountant, I'm more of a lawyer guy. Let's say it's a 100,000 rand gain, just to make it easy to illustrate. Now, if you have made a gain of 100,000 rand or 140,000 rand, 40,000 of that, it's the exclusion, as you mentioned earlier, that leaves you with 100,000 rand. That 100,000 rand, when it comes to capital gains tax, 40% gets included in your taxable income. The taxable income goes up to 45%. Now, let's just assume, again, for my benefit, that you're at the 45% tax rate. That 40% multiplied by 45%, that's 18% effective. So on that 100,000 rand that you're left with, or that 140,000 rand gain leading to 100,000 rand capital gain, taxable capital gain, you're taxed at 18,000 rand. Okay, and that's a lot better than being charged at a marginal tax rate of 45%. Absolutely. So a lot of people, as you, as you can imagine, really want to fit within that capital gains tax paradigm, but it's not always possible. So I guess the bottom line is if you're a successful trader in crypto and you're making a lot of money doing it, you probably shouldn't live in South Africa. Funny you say that. I mean, the other side of, of my practice at tax consulting is exactly that. It's immigration. And we have seen uh, people who have paid the pauper and left for a more tax favorable jurisdiction. Like where? Like Portugal, for example, or what's Malta. It? What's the top tax rate there? I don't know if it's taxable in Portugal. They tell me not. Really? Yep. Wow. But again, I'm no Portuguese tax advisor. Okay. And, and Mauritius, is that a popular place? <laughs> Only for its low tax rate. Uh, last I checked, tax residents in Mauritius get taxed at either a 3% rate or a 15% rate, depending on their circumstances. But again, I'm a South African tax advisor. Have you come across people who generate a lot of their income from crypto who've made a move abroad? I've, I've encountered a handful, yes, and uh, typically it's very painful for them, especially when it comes to something like South African exit tax that you pay when you cease to be a tax resident here. But uh, I think the fact that I've never heard from them afterwards, other than quick check-ins and how do you do's, is a very good thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the final question. What can we expect from SARS and the tax authorities worldwide, I guess, um, around the world over the next two to three years? Where is this all going? Again, the wheel turns slowly. Um, and definitely when it comes to something like a global compliance tax net, uh, there will be teething pains. Uh, what we can expect is nothing much comprehensively other than ironing out the kinks and starting small. But eventually, there will be no place to hide. The spotlight will be everywhere. And so historical non-compliance may come out at some point or another. If you report to one jurisdiction a few years from now, you should expect that others that pertain to you will know about it too, including SARS. Would this apply also to peer-to-peer -peer exchanges, which in, I think in their 
formation were designed to kind of avoid any oversight by authorities. I may be being a little bit simplistic on that. But uh, where you could do a transaction and you could straight away remove it from the exchange, put it on a cold wallet, hoping that nobody would ever notice. Do you think that's going to be clamped down on? They're eventually going to close the net in on those kind of exchanges too? Difficult to say, and it very much depends on each country. South Africa is an example. Perhaps due to the grey listing in February or the overall project that's been in place long before then, crypto asset service providers in South Africa now need to register as such in South Africa. And exchanges or, or transactions that happen through their platforms need to be reported to the authorities in South Africa. I know that in certain jurisdictions, similar projects have taken place. So if this is the, world, the direction the world is going in, uh, time will tell. Okay, well, the inevitability of death taxes and crypto. Thank you very much Thomas Loban of uh, Tax Consulting South Africa for joining us. Thanks Kieran. Always good to be here. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.